The Productive Woman, Episode 295. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you for joining me. This week, we're going to talk about some books that have influenced my thinking about productivity and life. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 295. I have been a bookworm since I was a little, little girl, and I find a great deal of pleasure in reading, but also a great deal of value that I think applies to all of us. There's so much you can get from reading books, and I'm specifically talking about books, but I read lots of things. Um, But you can get an education, of course, about any topic that you might be interested in. Certainly entertainment, inspiration, self-improvement, so many things that we can gain from reading well-chosen books. And nowadays, with what's going on as I'm recording this, we are still in the midst of a global pandemic that has affected our day-to-day lives. Uh, There are a lot of people who are not able to go to work right now, or their days have changed a lot. And for some people, not all, but for some, there is more time to read. And someone in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group actually recently asked for recommendations for books to read. So I thought that I would share a few of my favorites. These are books that have influenced my thinking about productivity and and so much more, and a few books that I love just for the fun of it. Now, obviously, it's such a personal thing. And so I try to think of books that that have been meaningful to me in one category or another that I thought perhaps you might enjoy as well. And I'll put links in the show notes to where you can find these. Most of them are available on Amazon. And in fact, most of them are available as eBooks. So if you want to get started reading right away, you can do that. But I would also love to hear what books have been meaningful to you in some of these categories, because I'm always looking for something new and interesting to read. So let's get started. I think this will be a pretty short episode. We've talked about books in the past. Uh, on uh, We have the recurring productive reading series where, that, where I will focus on the key takeaways from a specific book. Some of the books you'll hear about in this episode, I have talked about on those productive reading episodes. So I'm not going to be going into a lot of detail about the takeaways from these books. I'm going to try to give you kind of a taste of uh, what the book's about, why I like it and why I recommend it. And then, you know, put links in the show notes so you can check out those books and find out more about them. So the first category that I wanted to share with you I I kind of labeled it books that make me think. So these are books that I've read or listened to or both that provoke thought in me. Uh, To me, it's really important to read things that kind of expand my thinking. I try to make a point of, uh, in many cases, finding books that are written by people whose perspective is very different from mine, who, um, 
maybe I disagree with them politically or socially or whatever. I think it's important that we not, you know, block ourselves off to different perspectives than the ones we already hold. Now, these books aren't necessarily that kind of book that is written by somebody whose, whose philosophy or perspective I disagree with, but they are books that contain content and ideas that really have made me think and have stuck with me long after I've read the book. And so uh, in no particular order, the first one that I wrote down here is one I'm actually listening to right now on Audible, so I haven't even finished it yet, but it is so interesting and so thought provoking that I've actually ordered a hard copy so that I can reread sections of it and make notes. And this is a book called You're Not So Smart by David McCraney. Maybe the easiest way to kind of summarize what it's about is to read to you from what the publisher says about the book. And so I'm quoting from the website uh, that the publisher has for this book, where it says, among other things, uh, it says, whether you're deciding which smartphone to purchase or which politician to believe, you think you are a rational being whose every decision is based on cool, detached logic. But here's the truth. You are not so smart. You are just as deluded as the rest of us. But that's okay because being deluded is part of being human. Uh, the publisher goes on to say, growing out of David McCraney's popular blog, you are not so smart reveals that every decision we make, every thought we contemplate, and every emotion we feel comes with a story we tell ourselves to explain them. But often these stories aren't true. Each short chapter covering topics such as learned helplessness, selling out, and the illusion of transparency is like a psychology course with all the boring parts taken out. Bringing together popular science and psychology with humor and wit, you are not so smart is a celebration of our irrational, thoroughly human behavior. And I thought that was such a great description because I just found the book in Audible and the, the topic and, uh, you know, the title and the, the description of it in Audible just sounded interesting to me. And so I started listening to it. And it's one of those that I just keep coming back to and, and, you know, taking mental notes and thinking, wow, that is so profound and so interesting. The way we um, deceive ourselves. I, I have said in the past that uh, I kind of believe in many ways that the distinguishing characteristic of humankind, what differentiates us from the uh, from other animals is our endless capacity for self-deception. We are very good at telling stories to ourselves and explaining our behavior in ways that maybe aren't always consistent with reality. And this book kind of talks about some of that, about the science of how our brain works and what drives our behavior. It's really, really interesting. It's got timely and fascinating chapters on confirmation bias, for instance, how we subconsciously look for information that confirms what we already believe and dismiss contradictory information. It's just really, really thought-provoking. 
and I recommend it highly. I, like I said, listening to it was so, so thought provoking that I have ordered and should be receiving today my hard copy of it. And I'll be going back and reading what I've just listened to. And so that's, you are, or you're not so smart. And the author's name is David McCraney. And I will have links to all these books in the show notes. If, if any of them sound interesting to you. The second one in this category of books that really make me think is Malcolm Gladwell's book, Talking to Strangers. And I think I might've mentioned this in the past. The subtitle of the book is what we should know about the people we don't know. And I'm not going to do this for all of these books, but as I was trying to kind of consolidate my thoughts uh, in a way finding a way to describe what this book is about, I've struggled because there's just so much good stuff in it. And so what I'm, what I wanted to share with you about this book is a couple paragraphs of how it's described on Goodreads. Here I'm quoting from the Goodreads entry for Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. And it says there, how did Fidel Castro fool the CIA for a generation? Why did Neville Chamberlain think he could trust Adolf Hitler? Why are campus sexual assaults on the rise? Do television sitcoms teach us something about the way we relate to each other that isn't true? While tackling these questions, Malcolm Gladwell was not solely writing a book for the page. He was also producing for the ear. In the audiobook version of Talking to Strangers, you'll hear the voices of the people he interviewed. Scientists, criminologists, military psychologists. Court transcripts are brought to life with reenactments. You actually hear the contentious arrest of Sandra Bland by the side of the road in Texas. As Gladwell revisits the deceptions of Bernie Madoff, the trial of Amanda Knox, and the suicide of Sylvia Plath, you hear directly from many of the players in these real-life tragedies. Something is very wrong, Gladwell argues, with the tools and strategies we use to make sense of people we don't know. And because we don't know how to talk to strangers, we are inviting conflict and misunderstanding in ways that have a profound effect on our lives and our world. And again, I think that's just a really great a summary or description of what this book is about. It's just a fascinating look at how we interact with people, particularly people that we don't know, the assumptions that we make, the the guidelines we follow consciously or not. One of the things he talks about is our ability to tell when somebody's lying. And this is one of the key points that I remember from listening to the book. And this is another one that I've, I've gotten the hard copy of because it's just, there's so much good stuff in there that I wanted to go back and revisit. He t- says in the book that we are much worse than we think we are at knowing when somebody's lying. He talks about the concept of the default to truth. Uh, we assume we have this this sort of innate tendency to assume the truth of whatever is put in front of us. And I know you would say, well, no, I'm a skeptic and I don't believe the truth. But he talks in the book about the science of all this. And and uh, one article that I read, uh, in, uh, it's a New York Times article about the book and about Gladwell, the, the writer of this article interviewed Gladwell about the book. And one of the things he says in this article, which I will also link to in the show notes, is this. 
He says, human beings are by nature trusting of people, technology, everything. Often we're too trusting with tragic results. But if we didn't suppress thoughts of worst case scenarios, we'd never leave the house. And that's the point, you know, kind of one of the points that Gladwell makes in this book is that we, we trust that things will work the way they're supposed to, and that people are who they appear to be and all those things, because uh, the alternative would be a completely dysfunctional society. We literally would not ever want to leave the house because we would always be anticipating disaster. Uh, And so in the book, Gladwell talks about the science studies that have been done about uh, how we interact with strangers, the assumptions we make, the, the, and how, whether they're true or not. And he talks about all that science in the context of anecdotes, true stories about various characters, such as what happened with Sandra Bland in 2015 here in Texas, when she was pulled over by a police officer. And he tells, you know, part of the story, and then he goes into sort of the science behind what's going on in this interaction. And as that uh, excerpt that I read earlier um, talks about, he uses, it's, if you listen to the audio book, you hear in many cases, the voices of the people he's talking about. And that's really, really fascinating. Uh, so I recommend this book highly. Gladwell's written several other best-selling books that I've read and recommend, including The Tipping Point and Blink. So they are worth checking out. If you, if you read this, uh, talking to strangers and you like it, you might like, might like some of his other books as well. The Next book that I uh, really liked that kind of comes in the category of books that make me think is a book called The Daily Stoic, and it was written by Ryan Holiday and Stephen Hanselman. And this book is different from the others. It's almost like it's a book of daily readings. So it has 365 short readings that are all based on the writings of the ancient Stoics, which um, he describes in the book as the private, including the private diaries of one of Rome's greatest emperors, the personal letters of one of Rome's best playwrights and wisest power brokers, the lectures of a former slave and exile turned influential teacher. So this book is daily readings for a year. Uh, and so they're very, very short, very thought provoking advice or observations in really short bites. So each day has a quote from one of the ancient texts from ancient Rome and Greece, and just a, a real short quote, followed with a couple of paragraphs kind of commenting on that quote. And there, so it's something you could build into your morning routine if you wanted to, or your evening routine, if that's when you sit down and maybe, uh, you know, read something or whatever. I, as part of my morning routine, will read uh, a chapter or two from the Bible. I'll read the day's reading from this book, just because they're very thought provoking. For instance, one of my favorite thoughts comes from the January 1st reading, which is on the topic of control and choice. It's got a quote from one of the ancient Stoics. And then, as I said, a couple of paragraphs of commentary on that quote. And their commentary in the book ends with this thought, which I think is just profoundly wise. Uh, And this is what they say. If we can focus on making clear what parts of our day are within our control and what parts are not, 
we will not only be happier, we will have a distinct advantage over other people who fail to realize they are fighting an unwinnable battle. And that was something that I underlined uh, when I was reading that day, just because I thought it was just, I don't know, it's just so profound. Like I said, the quote is about control, about recognizing what in our life we can control and what we can't and not wasting energy and time fighting those things that we can't control. So really good book. Like I said, it's just a few paragraphs for each day that uh, give you some things to think about and ponder as you go about your day. So those are three books that make me think that I recommend. The next category is a couple of books, three or four books actually, that motivate me with respect to productivity. So whether it's time management, organization, those sorts of things, these are kind of key books that have been really motivational to me, thought provoking, inspired me to take action in my own life or to think more deeply about the way I am sort of operating in my own life. And some of these you've heard about before, several of them actually you have, but I, I these are books that I just keep coming back to over and over again. And the first one in this category is Greg McEwen's book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. We talked about this book way back in episode 32 of this podcast. It's such a good book about the value of identifying in your life those few essential things and being willing and and taking action to eliminate the non-essentials to make more room in your life for what really matters to you. It's from him, I think I, I got the idea of less but better in every area of life, whether it's possessions, of course, but also pursuits, relationships, um, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, learning to identify what's truly essential to you, and it's going to be different for every one of us, and, and to, to carve out space for the essential by eliminating to the extent you can the non-essentials. So again, Greg McEwen's book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, really a phenomenal book, highly recommended. The second one is another book that I've talked about before, and that's Courtney Carver's wonderful book, Soulful Simplicity. Uh, it was the focus of, or of a productive reading episode in, uh, episode 182, where I kind of talked about that entire episode was about my key takeaways from this book. She also was my guest on episode 169, if you want to hear more from her. And I just, this book was so motivating and, and inspiring. She talks about, you know, on the cover of the book, how living le with less can lead to so much more. And it, so it's another resource that motivates me to think more intentionally about the things I own and the commitments I make that complicate my life unnecessarily. I still struggle with this for, and she, she goes in the book into, um, you know, the reasons why we accumulate things and why it's hard to let go of things. And it's something I continue to struggle with, but I'm constantly bringing myself back to the ideas that I picked up from Courtney's book about seeking simplicity for, and, and the reasons why it matters. 
highly recommend that book. Another book that has been so influential in my thinking and that continues to motivate me uh, in to improve my own productivity is James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Uh, the subtitle on this one is An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones kind of explains what the book is about. It really goes into the significance of habits and how, how true it is that what we do repeatedly is so much more important than what we do every once in a while. And so Atomic Habits, along with Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit, uh, has been pivotal in my life and in my thinking about becoming more aware of the habits that I default to, how they impact my life, and how I can intentionally establish habits that serve me better. Both of those books I've talked about in the past, uh, they both have been uh, part of the our recurring productive reading series. So Atomic Habits, we talked about in episode 230, and Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit, we talked about in episode 147. I, those are both great episodes to go back and listen to if you want kind of an introduction to what these books are about. Uh, and my key takeaways in terms of building better habits in my own life, but I do recommend reading these. The fourth book that I have found very motivating is one I haven't really talked about. I think I mentioned it in passing in an earlier episode, but this is one I've read recently and I haven't really talked about it in depth yet because it hasn't been published yet, but I was privileged to be able to read an advanced copy of it. And that is The Paper Solution, written by Lisa Woodruff. Lisa was is a professional organizer. She runs Organize 365. She's the creator of The Sunday Basket, which I mentioned in our uh, episode on the uh, you know tips from professional organizers. She was my guest on episode 122. And so I recommend that you check that episode out to hear some, some of what she had to say, but this book, the paper solution is just excellent. As I said, it's not yet published. It'll be coming out this summer. It's one I definitely will be recommending for those who struggle with paper clutter, which is, let's be honest, it's pretty much all of us. We, even, even though you know, we've been talking about going paperless for, I don't know, at least a decade. We still have so much paper that comes into our lives and it can be overwhelming. Every day you go out to the mailbox and there's still, you know, junk mail and, and, you know, important mail that comes in, but just paper, paper, paper all the time. As a lawyer, especially a real estate lawyer, I deal with tons of paper all the time. And that's why this book was so good. It just, Lisa come, has, is presenting in this book a sensible, very actionable approach to eliminating paper clutter. And I recommend this book highly. Keep an eye out for it. It's coming out this summer, the summer of 2020. And in fact, I checked before I sat down to record. And as of today, which is early May, as I'm recording this, uh, you can already pre-order it on Amazon. So I will have a link in the show notes for that. I recommend you check it out if paper clutter is a problem for you. So those are the, the four, I guess, books, sort of five books that I, in the category of 
books that really motivate me with respect to productivity related topics. There are so many more I've read. You, you know, you, if you've listened to the show for very long, I am a bookworm. I love reading about this kind of stuff. These are just the ones that kind of jump to the top of the pile for me. Third category for me is books that inspire or encourage me or, you know, kind of help me be a better person to be more, uh, help me make a meaningfully productive life. And I really only put two in here, although there are so many, many more that I've read, but the two that came to mind as I was sitting down here, you know, thinking about this episode, first one is one that I've read just recently and it's called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. The subtitle of it is The Timeless Art of Turning Trials into Triumph. It is a fascinating look at the impact on our lives of how we perceive and react to obstacles and we all come up against them. Uh, As he says in the book at one point, you will come across obstacles in life, fair and unfair, and you will discover, he says, time and time again, that what matters most is not what these obstacles are, but how we see them, how we react to them and whether we keep our composure. And that's just one of the quotes that I underlined and highlighted. And and this is another book that I started out listening to it uh, in audible, you know, as an audio book. And it was just so good. There was, there were so many things that he said that I wanted to remember that I ordered a hard copy of it so that I would have it and could highlight the, the passages that were significant to me. And I could go back and look at them again. The, the way the book is structured is a lot like I was describing, um, Gladwell's book earlier, the, the, um, talking to strangers book. So Ryan looks at stories, anecdotes about people, certain people, people who've made their mark in the world, people like John D. Rockefeller, Amelia Earhart, Ulysses S. Grant, Steve Jobs, and others, and, uh, describes for each of them kind of obstacles that they met in their life and how the way they perceived those obstacles and, um, approached those obstacles made a difference in their life. So he he describes through the course of the book, kind of the formula that they used to not just overcome those obstacles, but to actually use them to achieve the success that they became known for. And it just is, I, again, I keep using the word fascinating. This book could have also gone up in the, in the thought provoking section. But for me, there was, there was so much practical uh, application of this book that I wanted to put it here. It's one of those that I feel like it will make me a better person in the sense of being stronger, more resilient. If I can apply the things that I picked up from this book, it has a fabulous chapter on perseverance, uh, that, and the difference that it makes kind of the difference between persistence and perseverance and the, uh, the way that developing perseverance in, in the face of obstacles can make a huge difference in the outcome of our life. There are so many great takeaways from this book 
And, you know, I could share so many quotes and I'm, I deliberately chose not to, because rather than sharing them all here, I probably will talk about this book more in a future productive reading episode, because it just was that good. There's so much good stuff in it. And that's The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And you might be thinking, didn't I hear that name before? Yes. Ryan is also one of the authors of The Daily Stoic and um, another great book by him. He's, he's written a couple other things as well, but uh, I haven't read them yet. So this is the one that I wanted to share with you. It really was very inspiring to me and helped, um, you know, just brought some things to mind about the way I react to obstacles when they come my way. The second book that I have in this category of books that inspire or encourage me, you know, maybe help me be a better and stronger person is a book called Mindset by uh, Dr. Carol S. Dweck. She, uh, she's a PhD. It's described on the cover as a book about how we can achieve our potential. This, this is a, another one of those really interesting thought provoking books for me, really made me think about myself. The back cover copy of this book talks about, and and I'm quoting here, it says, it's not just our abilities and talent that bring us success, but whether we approach our goals with a fixed or growth mindset. And that's at the heart of what uh, Dr. Dweck's book is about. It's about the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And uh, oversimplifying massively here, a fixed mindset person believes whether consciously or not that things like intelligence, talent, et cetera, are fixed and immutable. You are as smart as you are. You're born as smart as you're going to be. You're born with whatever talent you're going to have. And they're basically, it is what it is. Whereas a growth mindset comes um, from the perspective that in all of these areas, yes, we may have certain baseline levels, but we, it is possible to grow and improve. And the significance of the difference between those two is what Dr. Dweck goes into in this book, because people who uh, have a fixed mindset are often stymied when they don't perform as well as they think they need to to, um, because they think, well, that's, that's the best I can do. And that's not acceptable. And they will give up. Whereas people with a growth mindset will take failure, if you want to call it that as a a learning exercise, and they'll take what they can learn from it and try again another way. So this is another category where, uh, that is the books that inspire or encourage me that help me to become a better and stronger person. Only two books listed here. There are many others that I've read that I could talk about, but I didn't want this to be an hour long episode. (laughs) So I I, I highly recommend both of these. The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday and Mindset by Dr. Carol S. Dweck. And the last category of books I wanted to share with you were just a couple of books that that I, it's just a category I called for fun. And uh, these are books in some cases that I've read recently uh, that I've really enjoyed that I can recommend and others that 
I have read, you know, farther in the past. So the first one, uh, first book is uh, under the for fun category is actually two books. And these are the Magnolia Table cookbooks. These are cookbooks that are put out by Joanna Gaines of the, um, you know, the, the home, home building, home fix up the fixer upper TV series. Um, those of us in the United States, I'm guessing if you're from the United States, you know, who Joanna Gaines is chip and Joanna are pretty much, you know, home improvement celebrities here in the U S and have their own line of stuff that you can buy at target stores and everything else. Well, Joanna's put out these two, um, these two cookbooks and, uh, the volume two came out just recently. And I never bought the first one when it came out. I didn't go to look to see when it was. I knew, knew of it, but I didn't buy it. I was kind of skeptical because a lot of cookbooks, especially cookbooks put out by celebrity types, in my experience, they feature these complicated recipes with ingredients that I never buy. So, you know, they're fun to flip through, but I'm never going to make any of the stuff in there. But in this case, somebody shared with me, I think on social media, a couple recipes that really looked good. So I ended up picking up both books and flipping through them and have marked a bunch of pages of recipes that, that use ingredients that I actually keep in stock and look like things that I could actually make. I don't, you know, I haven't, I've been doing more cooking, you know, during this whole COVID-19 thing, just because we're home and, uh, and I, and I don't have as much work work to do. And so I, I've been trying new things and I've tried several of the recipes in this book and they've all been hits. Um, she has a great, her, what does she call it? The after school banana bread that I tried that was really yummy. And I've tried a chicken, Oh, I should have written this down. I can't think of, of what the recipe was, but there was one with chicken and pasta that my husband loved. Uh, and so I, I recommend these. These are, you know, there's lots of pretty pictures in there. And Joanna has a lot of little stories about the recipes and where they came from and that sort of thing. But these are recipes that are, that don't take a lot of time to make. They're not, for the most part, they're not really complicated. They don't call for strange and, and hard to find ingredients and definitely worth giving a, a try. And so, I recommend those that the the Magnolia Table cookbooks as uh, just something for fun. Another book that I would say it's partly partly um, professional or you know productivity related and partly just for fun is a book called Your Creative Workspace by Desha or Desha I'm not sure Peacock. This is a book about, as you might imagine, creating a space to do creative work. And it is uh, just, there's tons of inspiration in there for workspace, for your creative work, whether it's writing or painting or uh, anything that might be, you know, if you are an interior designer or I think when I say creative, I don't want you to think it's only for artists, although there are some examples of that in the book. Think more broadly about creativity. And this is a book about finding within your home or elsewhere uh, a space and, and making a space that works for you uh, for whatever work you want to do. There are tons of 
photographs in it, lots of really good tips for making the most of the space you have for whatever kind of work you want to do. So lots of great ideas. If uh, I think it's especially useful now for those of us who, who are newly working from home, who maybe are need to think outside the box as far as, well, where can I do my work that I need to do from home? And you get lots of ideas and inspiration from this book. So again, that's called Your Creative Workspace by Desha Peacock. So those two books were just for fun. And I do recommend them. I really enjoyed looking at them. They're, they're both kind of resource books that you can, you know, go back to over and over again. And then the last category or the last item for of books that I read for fun and that would, could recommend are, I, I thought I'd throw in a, a few fiction recommendations if you like to read fiction, uh, because, you know, part of making a life that matters is making space for things that bring you pleasure, bring you joy. And for some of us, and I'm one of them reading fiction when I can, is, is something that brings me joy that it's, you know, a little escapism, a little fun. And sometimes it can be also inspiring as well. And so rather than specific books, I thought I'd just share some of my favorite authors. Three of them are kind of on the, they, they're, they fall within the sort of inspirational fiction category and then one is not. And so these are all writers that whenever they have a new book out, I kind of tend to drop whatever I'm reading and get their, their new novel and read it. And just because they're very good writers and they write very good stories. And so one of them, the first one that, that, uh, I came thought of is Susan May Warren. And she writes contemporary women's fiction with suspense elements, a romantic element, and, and an inspirational message. What I love about her books is that she creates characters that feel real to me, who are living with and overcoming very real and very difficult situations. So they're not they're believable, I guess is what I want to say. These are, although these are inspirational books, there's very definitely an inspirational slash biblical kind of element behind the story. They are first and foremost, a really great story. The kind of story that is written well, that is engaging that you care about these characters. And it's the kind of story that keeps me up too late at night to, to finish a chapter or finish the book. But she also leaves me with an inspirational takeaway, something that I think about long after I've put the book away. Uh, she's written many wonderful books, but perhaps my favorite of hers is a book called You Don't Know Me, which is a story about the secrets we all keep and the lies we all tell. This was a book that was so meaningful to me. I cried through the last two chapters of it and then went in and wrote a, a blog post about it. And this was several years ago when I first read it. You can find uh, that kind of review blog about uh, the book on my personal blog, which is at lauramcclellan.me. And I'll put a link to that particular post in the show notes in case you want to check it out. But that's Susan May Warren, who was my guest actually on the podcast on episode 181. 
and recommend anything she writes. She's just a really good writer. Another one of those authors whose novels are always at the top of my list to read is a, a writer named Tamara Lee. She writes wonderful historical fiction set in medieval times. I mean, she's written some other stuff, but her more recent books are set back kind of in the Middle Ages with really interesting characters dealing with both external and internal crises in a very believable way. There's always a touch of romance. It's very realistic, but clean. And uh, her characters are involved in real historical events, which I love. I'm a history nerd and I like the way she weaves history into these great stories without making it feel like, you know, a history class. It's not, it's not like that. She just does it in a very organic way. Her books are so well-written that again, she's one of those that whenever one of her new books comes out, I kind of drop everything and start reading it. I'm currently reading her newest book, which is part of a series and this book is called Heartless, and so far it's just as good as the others of hers that I've read. So recommend her highly. Third author whose fiction I, I love and always love to read just because they're great stories, but also very, very well written, is Francine Rivers. Uh, my number one favorite novel of all time is her book called Redeeming Love. And this is a retelling set in the California gold rush era of the biblical story of Hosea and his prostitute wife. It is really a story about how persistent, persevering love can change both the one who loves and the one who is loved. And it was, uh, it's just, it's a book that there aren't very many novels that I reread periodically. This is one of them. It's just, um, and even if you're not a person of faith uh, or, or, you know, person of the Christian faith, I think you may, you might like this book because it's not a book that's beating you over the head with religious themes. It's just, a, it's a love story, but told in the grittiest, realist way. And I would say also about the books that Tamara Lee and Susan May Warren write, they, they are written from a Christian worldview, but they are not sermons in novel form. They really, really are good. Uh, even if you are not necessarily a person of faith, if you like contemporary women's fiction with a bit of suspense and romance, you'll love Susie Mae Warren's books. If you like historical fiction with great characters, uh, dealing with realistic situations, you will like Tamara Lee's book. And, uh, I cannot recommend enough, highly enough Francine Rivers books. And then the fourth novelist whose books I always look for and enjoy is uh, Nora Roberts. She's very different from Susie May, Tamara, and Francine um, because her books are secular, I guess. But she's another one of my favorite authors, mostly because the stories she tells are very engrossing. They just pull you in. It's, it's great escapist reading. And she handles dialogue so well. 
I can't tell you the number of times as I've been reading her, one of her books and seeing a conversation between two people and thinking that's just how people talk. One of my kind of pet peeves in fiction is, uh, when uh, a writer has characters saying things that you're, you know, you're shaking your head and say, nobody talks like that. They would never say that in that situation. You never have that with Nora. Her people are, are like your wittiest, smartest, best friends, uh, that you hang out with. And they're just in a novel. Her books are full of suspense, romance, and in some cases, magic with which some people of faith would not like. So just before Warren there, her books are definitely secular. And usually they have a couple of pretty sensual scenes, but that's not the focus of the book, I guess. So those are my kind of four favorite fiction writers. If you're looking for some fiction to read, I'd love to hear what you're reading. I le- read lots of different kinds of fiction, everything from, you know, the inspirational fiction, like I've mentioned to young adult dystopian to science fiction. I, I just love to read, but these are four my four favorite authors and those that I, whose books I always am excited to get. Last category I had in here was just, I thought I'd share with you a couple of books that are in my to be read pile, which is always very long. Uh, these are some books that I haven't read yet, but I'm, uh, looking forward to reading in the very near future. Um, one of them is called reinvent the wheel, how top leaders leverage well-being for success. It's written by Megan McNeely, and it just looks really interesting. I'll be finishing, I'll be reading that after I finish another book that I'm reading right now, which is Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life by Near Isle with Julie Lee. And this, this is another one that if I had finished it, I might have had it up in the thought provoking or uh, category or the books that are helping me be a better and more productive person. Third one that uh, I'm looking forward to reading that's uh, on my stack is a book called Get It Done From Procrastination to Creative Genius in 15 Minutes a Day. This is written by a person named Sam Bennett. I don't even remember where I heard of this, but I, I got it because procrastination is an ongoing struggle for me. And so this one looked interesting and I'm looking forward to seeing what Sam Bennett has to say about uh, moving from procrastination to creative genius. And in addition to those new books and others, I do plan this year to reread uh, three of the books I mentioned earlier, Essentialism, Atomic Habits, and Soulful Simplicity, and also The One Thing by Gary Keller. Uh, this was a book that was the a focus of the productive reading series in episode 133, and I plan to reread that this year. So those are my thoughts on, on books that... Uh, are worth reading. But what do you think? What's the best book, either fiction or nonfiction, that you've read or listened to recently that's helped you in your journey to making a life that matters? I'd love to hear that. And I may share those recommendations in a future episode. So please share those with me. Uh, You can do that either in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash 295, 
or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. Now, if you are in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, that would be a great place to share your your book recommendations so we can all benefit from it. If you'd rather share your thoughts with me privately, you can email your suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com and I'd love to hear from you. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, thank you for spending this time with me. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile. I look forward to hearing from you and to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.